Good afternoon again, God's people. What a blessing. When I first came in the morning, it was real morning for me. It was two in the morning. And I was afraid that I was not going to have enough strength to preach. But the Lord gave me the grace to talk. Is everybody who is supposed to be here in here already? If there is one or two people outside, bring them in so that they can hear for themselves the message of God. I feel blessed. I feel honored by God to be sent with a message to his people. Not messages. I don't have messages. I have a message. Doesn't change. We're going to go somewhere else different. We're going to come back with the same message. I cannot change it. No. The waitress does not cook anything. They only deliver what has been cooked. Hallelujah. I'm just a waiter. I'm delivering God's message. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for what you have done already to serve us. You saved us in Christ. You chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And we're just now coming to know about his salvation. About his great salvation. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for bringing me this far with the message of the cross. That your people may hear the voice of the shepherd. And know that they are saved. (laughs) And know who their savior is. Know who their true husband is. Their true friend. True brother. Christ Jesus. Help me to speak, Lord. And speak to your people clearly and plainly. We honor you and pray all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis 39. Genesis 29. No, 39. 39. Thank you so much. Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Uh, There's a dear brother who was sitting there that I talked to with earlier. I don't know where he went. He had the three, four kids? He's coming? Okay. Moses recorded, or God recorded, through the pen of Moses, this story. Everyone in the church knows the story. But there are very few who know what it means. Let's read. 
You know the part? Yes. Read the story. And then we'll see what God will teach us from the story. Yes. About the one person. One. Christ Jesus. Amen. God says now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was verse 10 as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called the men of the house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like this, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. And that is the word of the Lord. May he make it profitable to the knowledge of salvation. Our message title is Miss Potiphar and the Gospel. Mrs. Potiphar and the Gospel. By the end of this conference, these things happen so fast. Initially, you're like, oh, it's going to be next month. It's next week. It's tomorrow. And before you know it, we are done. It happens so fast. So, take advantage of the moment. And pray to God to teach you. To give you something. Let the Lord give you something. From all the things that he has given me to share with you. By the end of this conference, I believe and I pray that you shall be left convinced that God is the most faithful and the most consistent preacher than anyone in the telling of the one story of Christ. It's like The mother who knows how to make chicken 500 ways. And yet it's still chicken. (laughs) That's God with Christ. God is always preaching Christ. And the testimony of Christ never ends. It's not a testimony that never ends. It never ends. God is always from eternity. To eternity, telling about the one person, Christ Jesus. It does not matter the story. It is not for us to draw moral lessons. In other words, to come for me to come and preach and say, dear brother, dear sister, Don't do this. Don't do that. There's room for that. There's room for me to say, no, brother, don't do that. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not don't do this or do that. The gospel is a declaration of someone and what he did. I'm a news reader. The news reader, I don't know what time the main news is uh, broadcast on TV. Is it 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock? The news reader does not make the news. They only report what happened. They say the president has gone to Malawi. And 
they say what it is that he talked with his counterpart and things like that. What they agreed and signed and all those kind of things. If there's anybody who is running the Olympics, they come and say, so and so ran the Olympics and they won. They did not run themselves. The gospel is like news reading. I am only telling you of what already happened. I do not cause it to happen. You do not cause it to happen. Okay? So I need you to think about that when you're listening to the gospel. It's news reading. If anybody tells you to do something to be saved, then you need to change the station. <laughs> change the station. <laughs> change the station. The Lord Jesus said, in the volume of the book. You know that verse? In the volume of the book. It is written. About me. I have come to do your will. O God. In the volume of the book. He was speaking to the whole Old Testament. And he says. And this is very arrogant. Because if I come and say, brothers and sisters, you know what? In the volume of the Bible, yes. it's written about James. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this brother is smoking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus comes and says, it is written about me to do the will of God. And that to say, unless we preach Christ from these stories, yes. we are not teaching to God's glory and we do not understand the story. If I take this story and go to the Muslims, those who worship Muhammad or Allah through Muhammad, and I don't preach Christ from this, they will agree with this story. They won't find any offense with this story. But when you bring Jesus to this, they're going to get offended. And when someone gets offended, you know you're preaching the gospel. (laughs) So in Genesis 39, we have a very popular story. But that many, as I said, unfortunately, have butchered because of moralistic teaching and lack of gospel understanding. We have here a most wonderful teaching of how God makes a sinner righteous before him. The gospel is not a new story that came with the New Testament. It is a story from eternity. And yet God was preaching it, as I said, even in his creation story and in the lives of his people. And what God was preaching is the story of his son and how he would make a people to himself, how he would make the unrighteous, the sinners like you and me, righteous before him, make us acceptable to him. And so we shall go into our story. You shall never understand this story the same ever again. 
I want you again to see the pattern of my teaching. I do not come to tell you interesting stories about my life or encouraging stories. Because that's not God's way of telling the story of Christ. I have been commissioned to open the text of scripture and try by God's grace to show you the mystery of Christ. Because that's what preaching is all about. So may God help you to raise your standards and expectations of people who preach. They must read the text and they must clearly teach how that text is the testimony of Jesus. Because if a text is preached without Christ, then it can be preached anywhere. In the synagogue, in the Buddhist temple. And I saw some, when we were driving here this morning, uh, Brother David was showing us some Indian temple somewhere uh, on the highway. They think they know the truth. <laughs> they ought to hear about our Jesus. Okay? <laughs> so may the Lord help us. Help me, help you, for the sake of his name. Genesis 31, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, we had taken him down there. So that is what sets the context of the story. Joseph had been sold to the Ishmaelites by his brothers because they were jealousy of him because of his wonderful dreams. How they, the brothers, would come and bow down before Joseph. And the brothers did not like it. So they decided to eliminate him and sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites were great-grandchildren of Hagar. Hagar was the maid servant for Sarah. She worked for Sarah. Right? And According to Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4, Hagar represented something. She represented the testimony of the law. Right? Yes. As Paul taught in Galatians 4 verses 21 to 31, that the Hagar represented the law of Moses. Yes. So these are just not ordinary people. Yes, they are ordinary people just like us. But the story around them is different. It's telling of something greater than those people. So the law was represented by Hagar. And since the Ishmaelites, remember, Hagar had Ishmael with Abraham. So what that means is the Ishmaelites represent the law also because of their grandmother. 
And so what does the law do? The law brings into bondage. Right? And so the Ishmaelites bought, what's his name? Joseph. And sold him into bondage. And all of Israel shall come into bondage because of this very transaction. The whole family of Jacob is going to find itself in Egypt and they're going to find themselves in bondage. From which bondage they could only be set free by the Passover lamb. So the law is coming with this testimony that it brings one into bondage. So Israel is in bondage and they cannot come out of bondage by themselves. God comes and talks to Moses and he gives them the instruction on how to be set free. Okay? So this is where this is going. (laughs) So Joseph begins his life in Egypt this way. He was sold to Mr. Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh. He was a high-ranking member in the government of Pharaoh. He was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. So this is some high-to-do person. Verse 2 of Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So the Lord God was with Joseph, and God prospered all his ways. Everything that Joseph did, God caused it to prosper. And Joseph was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So God is the one who is behind the success of anyone, even if that person does not believe in God. For some, success is condemnation because they do not believe in the God who gives them. For others, it is a blessing. So don't always be envious of what people have. Because the testimony is different. Also, let me say this. Success in life, whatever and however people measure it, does not mean God has blessed you in a good way. Just having money and cars and nice house does not mean God's blessing. God's blessing is only for those who are in Christ. Whether they have anything or not, they have Christ. And Christ is all. So, if you want to know whether God has blessed you or not, it comes down to what you say about Jesus. Faith in Christ is the only evidence That God loves you. You're going to have money. You're going to lose money. The shilling is going to gain. It's going to lose. Christ never gains. never loses. He remains the same. Okay? Those who do not believe the gospel. And they die in their unbelief. It does not matter what they had on earth. It cannot save them. So why do you want to boast in things that cannot save you? 
boast in Christ. He alone has saved us. Verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Mr. Potiphar had to be some religious person because he's seeing what Joseph is doing and he came to a conclusion and says, well, Joseph's success has to be of some God but not really the God of creation. Because these are Egyptians. They believe in all kinds of gods. Gods of frogs, of rain, of lightning, of whatever. Yes. So he thinks Joseph has to have some very good God. <laughs> so he's, in, he's some religious person. If you want, you could say he's going to some kind of church. <laughs> He thinks that the God of Joseph is some God of prosperity who is just a God among many other gods. But understand this. All that Joseph did, the Lord prospered it. We are building something. We are going somewhere. We are building the profile of Joseph. Because if we don't build Joseph, you cannot understand what the story is talking about. Verse 4. Let's keep going. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So Joseph was in charge of everything that belonged to Potiphar. Mr. Potiphar had no choice but to give to Joseph, charge and responsibility over all the affairs of his house. And the text says, he put under his authority all that he had. Everything that Mr. Potiphar had came under the authority and responsibility of the one man, Joseph. And he is bearing the testimony of someone greater than himself. The Lord Jesus. To whom all power and authority has been given. Joseph is in charge of everything that belongs to Mr. Potiphar. So that tells you that Joseph is telling us of something bigger. Of someone bigger. Christ, who has been made charge of everything that belongs to God. And Jesus himself said that. The father loves the son in the book of John. And he has given all things to the son. Right? That's the testament. Verse 5. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So from the time that Joseph had been made the overseer, the, of, the caretaker of Potiphar's house, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for the sake of Joseph. In other words, the blessing of the Lord 
on Potiphar's house was not because of Mr. Potiphar. It was not because of the goodness of Mr. Potiphar or his wife. But it was only because of Joseph. In other words, God mediated his blessing on the house of Potiphar through the one person, through the blessing of the presence of Joseph. And so God mediates his blessing towards the church through Christ Jesus alone. Because he alone is worthy of such mediation. When we talk mediation, this is what it means. A mediator is someone who goes between two parties. You have this party and this other party. They cannot talk to one another. You and I cannot talk to God because of who he is and because of who we are because of our sin. So someone has to come between us and make peace between God and us. So that is the mediator. And whatever comes to us, it comes because of this mediator. If you remove the mediator, there's nothing standing in the gap. There's only hell in between. If you remove the mediator, there's nothing to hold hell. Christ alone is the mediator between God and man. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is not your mediator. Your dead mother and dead father are not your mediators. They cannot mediate. Christ alone. So the blessing that is coming on Mr. Potiphar is not because of him. It is because of this man of God who is in his house, who is mediating the blessing upon his house. And that man is Christ. Verse 6. That's all that he left. That's he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. So Mr. Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hands. That is a total trust and complete trust in Joseph's ability to faithfully take care of everything that belonged to him. And that adds another dimension to the development of the profile of the person of Joseph. And someone is going to come later and say, the father loves the son, as I said, and has given all things into his hand. Again, another nugget of Joseph's profile as a type of Christ. So Jesus has been given charge of all things God. Okay? So what does that tell us? It tells us that Mr. Potiphar was the type of God the Father. Because it is he who has a house and he has things that he has appointed a man that he trusts to take care of business. Okay? Now Joseph was handsome 
in form and appearance and there begins trouble. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And that means as a young man all the girls and the women loved him. Yeah? If he had a Facebook profile, he would have 5, 10, 15, 20,000 followers and 90% of them would be women. <laughs> he was handsome. Handsome. But for a purpose, because God is preaching something. Verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. You see, trouble has already begun. Miss Potiphar could not resist what her eyes were seeing. She was, I have to have some of that. She was attracted to Joseph. And she thought to go all the way and say to Joseph, Lie with me. Have an intimate relationship with me. I am willing to risk my marriage to my husband because of you. And do not think such a request came with social media. Both if you are on Facebook and all these other places, people are always writing messages. That did not come with social media. It was happening in Genesis. <laughs> People were already sinners in Genesis. And that to say there's nothing new under the sun. Sinners will always do what sinners do. And what sinners do is to sin. You may overcome one or two sins. Or however much sins. But there will always be the one sin that will overtake you. I'm going to repeat that. You may overtake, you may overcome one sin. Maybe two. Maybe ten. But there will always be the one sin that you won't have power to overcome. It will always be there. And it's different for every one of us. And it has a purpose. A God-given purpose. As a reminder that you're a sinner. <laughs> you need yes. to be reminded Hallelujah. that you're a sinner. Yes. Yeah. Okay? Yes. And Miss Potiphar, she was a woman of royalty. She's not an ordinary woman. She's a woman of power. But she has this one sin that has overtaken her. And it is a sin of adultery. She is lasting for Joseph. Verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. The master has committed all that he has to me. There's no one greater in this house than I, 
nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Joseph had the integrity. He had the power to stand up against temptation. But it was not his power, my dear friends. It is God who gave him the power to stand. Otherwise, left to himself, we know what would have happened with Miss Potiphar. Joseph was not married. Okay? And there were no cameras in Miss Potiphar's house. No CCTV. So you know what would have happened. But God kept Joseph from lying with her. And when you read the story of Joseph, he's one of the few people in the whole Bible that you don't hear anything bad that he did. It's not because Joseph was much better than you. It is only because God was building a testimony to show you something about Jesus in him. Okay? And he comes and says, I have been given authority by your husband. He has committed everything into my hands. I have been made charge over everything in this house except you, except the bed. Thus I cannot sin against him. I cannot sin against your husband. Joseph cannot sin against Mr. Potiphar. Christ cannot sin against his father. (laughs) So Joseph is being very reasonable. So when you're reading these things, there is the immediate story of what is happening in the house. But then there's another level of understanding that has to come because of Jesus. So Potiphar understands Anything of sorry, Miss Potiphar means saying. Miss Potiphar, she hears what Joseph is saying, but she does not hear it because a sin has overtaken her. Sin is very powerful, my dear friends. Sin is extremely powerful that it took God Himself to take care of it. Okay? Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. So the woman was non-stop. Day by day she came with a proposal. Please lie with me. I, could, I can even give you money. Of, of course she had money. <laughs> she was determined to get what she wanted every day. Day by day, she would make advances towards Joseph. That tells you that this woman did not have a day job. She was a stay-at-home mother and possibly with no children. I don't think she was sending any kids to daycare anywhere. Okay? I don't think the children had gone to school. I don't think she had any children. Also, Because Mr. Potiphar would have been away whilst this was happening. 
And that to say, there are people, if you pay attention, in the church world, who glorify whatever occupation, either fatherhood, and take it for righteousness. Others glorify being a mother and think that is righteousness. Others say, a woman who does not go out to work, that's a sign of a salvation. That's a sign that she's being obedient to God. That's not true. Miss Potiphar was at home. And sin came to her at home. <laughs> because sin does not care where you spend your day. Sin does not only happen in the nightclub. It happens at home. In your own home. In your own bed. On your own table. In your own bed. I have to repeat that. On bed. Okay? It will find a way. Sin will find a way. So day by day, sin is knocking. Sinning is a daily activity. And a struggle for us. Day by day, she came. Day by day, sin comes. It comes knocking. That is the truth of the matter. But Joseph was of a different kind. He did not lie with this woman. He did not agree to be with her. But how was that possible? Was Joseph that righteous? Or something else was being preached? How could Joseph resist such a woman of power? Verse 11. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the house was inside. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. So Miss Potiphar is not playing. <laughs> she had to get what she wanted. She had to get Joseph by any means necessary. She took the opportunity of the absence of the other servants who worked in the house. And she struck. She caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. You have to do this here and now. But we are told. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Joseph did not wrestle his garment from her hands. Miss Potiphar was holding Joseph by the garment. Joseph did not wrestle for his garment because he could have done that. He could have wrestled her to the ground and recovered the garment. That would have caused another sin had the other servants come in seeing Joseph fighting with the woman trying to get his garments. But Joseph was a young and strong guy. If he really wanted to have his garment, he would have been able to get it from Miss Potiphar. But he decided to leave it behind willingly. He decided to leave his garment willingly. He was not overpowered by this woman. He left his garment 
willingly in her possession and he ran outside so why did joseph not fight to take his garment back this we must answer to understand the story do you know where this is going let's say it and so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying see he has brought in to us a hebrew to mock us he came in to me to lie with me and i cried out with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that i lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside so miss potiphar feels very rejected and she is angry i remember when i was in high school still dating girls and some girls beautiful girls that i thought i could write a letter to but it seems like none of them liked me <laughs> that made me angry i was rejected <laughs> so miss potiphar feels rejected but why is she angry because she thinks she is very beautiful Miss Potiphar I think was a very beautiful woman so to reject such a beautiful woman is not going to make her happy it's going to make her angry okay yes. also i do not think that she was that old given what we are learning mr potiphar was a man of power yes. and i'm sure in the egypt he had gotten one of the most egyptian girls to become miss potiphar so the rejection by joseph was very personal <laughs> because she thought oh my i'm a queen i'm a real queen and this boy is rejecting me but she could have decided to keep this as a secret because there was no one who saw what happened it was just the two of them So there was no reason to tell anybody. The servants did not sit. The husband did not sit. So why do you want to report it? Just be quiet and try again some other day. <laughs> try again and see if Joseph refuses. Buy the boy some chocolate. <laughs> So she wanted to fix Joseph. So this is what she did, verse 14. She called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, "See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice." Of course she's lying. Yes. The Hebrew boy was brought to mock us. Yeah. He did not mock he did not come to mock you. That was a false accusation. But she says I have the evidence. I have the evidence. Here is my exhibit A of my evidence to vindicate my story. I have evidence. We talked about evidence before. We talked about witnesses. Yes. Verse 15. 
And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that I that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So Miss Potiphar did not have a phone to record what happened. Because if it were in our time, she would have just t- took a phone and started recording. She had no phone to record. She did not have any other eyewitness. But she had a very good piece of evidence to tell her story. To authenticate her accusation against Joseph. She had Joseph's garment in her hands. Not Joseph's socks. Not Joseph's underwear. Joseph's garment. Miss Potiphar could say anything she wanted about what Joseph did and lie about it as long as she had the garment. There was no evidence greater than having possession of his garments. And so, she must hold tightly to this testimony and to this garment if she should tell a story to her husband for her husband to believe her. Otherwise, Miss Potiphar is out of the house. Otherwise, Miss Potiphar is getting killed. You understand me? Let's keep going. Verse 16. So she kept his garment (laughs) so she kept his garment with her until his master came home. She kept his garment with her. She did not put it in the closet. She did not put it in the other room. She kept it with her. She did not go to the flea market to get another garment. She kept the one that she had. (laughs) Until his master. The garment only has purpose until the master comes home. She could not lose sight of the garment. She could not put it for laundry. It cannot be washed. She has to keep holding to it. She held tightly to this garment that she may show it to her husband. (laughs) Verse 17. Then she spoke to him with words like this. Now the husband is home. Mr. Potiphar is home from work. He's eating his ugali. The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. The Hebrew boy whom you brought to us. There is a Hebrew boy who was brought to us. And when this Hebrew boy comes, there seems to be issues with sin and garments. And clothing. Clothing, they mean something. We are going somewhere with that. Keep following me. When this Hebrew boy was brought by the captain, he brings issues. Mr. Potiphar is being blamed for having brought Joseph by his wife. So Mr. Potiphar 
as I said, was a type of God the Father. And Joseph was a type of Christ. Because Joseph was the faithful one. The God's faithful servant. Who was sent by the Father for the vindication, for the salvation of an unrighteous woman, of an unrighteous bride, Miss Potiphar, representing the Church of Christ. And Miss Potiphar is, as I said, is a picture of the church, of the last full church. And that is why she cannot be restrained from sin. Because even those of Christ sin, they are sinners. They are the misportifers. You, if you hear 99 of the preachers on this, they will tell you, oh, do not, do not become like Miss Potiphar. Become like Joseph. Run away from sin. You and I cannot run away from sin. Because sin is who we are. Righteousness is what God is. We cannot run away from sin. We have no garment to leave behind. We don't. Miss Potiphar loves his sin. Because we love our sin. You have this sin that comes and you know it's wrong because it's sin. You kind of resist today. And then tomorrow, like, ah, maybe. And you just keep going at it and it's going to happen. That's just the nature of it. Because we're sinners. Don't be surprised by your sin. So Miss Potiphar narrates her story to her husband and she presented her evidence. She presented her evidence. The garment of Joseph. She says, verse 18, so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Joseph's garment left with Miss Potiphar. That is an argument. That is an evidence. That is a defense. That is her gospel. She has nothing else to say. She says, I have one piece of evidence. It's the garment. It's not the garment of Mr. Potiphar. It's not the garment of one of the servants. It is the garment of Joseph. And as long, and as long as she has that garment, her story remains true. No one can deny a testimony. Mr. Potiphar must believe her story. Miss Potiphar, as I said, cannot go to the mall or the flea market to try and buy a fake garment and say, this is Joseph's garment. Why? Because for a story to make sense to Mr. Potiphar, it has to be by the garment that Mr. Potiphar knows about and says, this is the garment of Joseph. So if a sinner should come to God, they should bring a righteousness 
that God knows is the righteousness of Christ. She must produce the garment that Joseph left in her possession. She did not ask for it. She did not ask for the garment. It was left in her possession. And that means the righteousness that we have, we did not ask for it. It was given us. We did not fight for it. It was freely given us. That's the only garment we have to tell the story of our salvation. Not our works. That garment of Joseph. If a sinner should come to God to talk about salvation, they cannot bring another testimony if they have been taught of God. They only have one piece of evidence to present. One piece is not their works. Miss Potiphar used to iron for Mr. Potiphar. That does not help her story. If her story has to be believed, she must bring the garment. That's the only thing that works. Only the righteousness of Christ. That's the only thing that works. Miss Potiphar cannot have people from a church to come and help with their story. And say, oh, we used to sing in the choir with Miss Potiphar. Therefore, her story is correct. No, that's not true. It does not work. Because the people from a church, if they were there, they were not with Joseph and Miss Potiphar. So they have nothing to show for evidence on her behalf other than that which Joseph willingly left her in her possession. So the garment of Joseph was the picture of the righteousness of Christ. That's the point. That is God's point with the story. And this righteousness of Christ is what is covering her sin. That is what is making her story to be true. Yeah? The righteousness that was freely given, willingly given to us who are the elect. Because Miss Potiphar is married to someone. So we were married to someone. We were given to Christ by God. The garment that was freely given her. Because Joseph, as I said, had power to take it back if if he wanted. But religion will come and tell you in the matter of this. They'll come and say to Miss Potiphar, Girl, you go and buy some other clothes at the mall, buy your own clothes, bring them to your husband. Make him a very good meal. Get him some ice cream. Make him a cake. And then tell him your story. Bring your own works of righteousness. Miss Potiphar will not listen to that. Miss Potiphar will not accept that for evidence. So the question that we ask in the matter of the gospel, and that God is saying, is what righteousness are we talking about? 
what garments do we have in our hands to vindicate the story of our righteousness before God? Do we have the garment of Christ that God freely gave us? Or do we have the garment that we have made by ourselves? Like Adam and Eve. When they discovered that they were naked, it means they discovered that they were sinners. They had no covering. And what did they do? They began to go to work. Go some sewing machines. Started sewing righteousness for themselves. Fig leaves. Right? As a covering before God. And it was not good enough. They were still naked. Even though they were covered. But what did God do? He came and he covered them. Himself. By what? What did he use? Skins. Skins of what? Of animals. Where do you get skins? Something must die. So God covered them with the righteousness that was coming from someone who was going to die. That is Christ Jesus. If God covers you, it doesn't matter, you may feel naked, but you're covered. Adam and Eve were covered by God. The garments. These are the same garments that God is preaching about. You and I need to be covered. Adam and Eve must sin. Sin is good for us. I'm going to repeat that. Both is a strange thing. Why is sin good? Because if you're a sinner, God gives you his righteousness. If you're not a sinner, you have your own righteousness. But God won't accept your own righteousness. He only accepts his own righteousness. (laughs) The righteousness that he gives freely the garment of Joseph, of Christ. Okay. So it was. Verse 19. Let's keep going. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. So Mr. Potiphar was angry. He was very angry. So something must be done to Joseph. Because Joseph cannot do this. Verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was then in the prison. Mr. Potiphar took Joseph, his faithful servant, the man to whom he had given charge of everything, and put him into prison on account of the sin of his wife. <laughs> he took him into prison in judgment. What is that saying? Mr. Potiphar, hear me, someone. Mr. Potiphar took his faithful servant and took him into prison 
And that saying, it is not the Jews, it was not Pilate who sentenced Jesus to death. Let me repeat that again. It was not the Jews, it was not Pilate, it was not Herod, it was not anybody who put Jesus on the cross. It was not the servants of Mr. Potiphar who put Joseph in prison. It was Mr. Potiphar himself. So it is God himself who put Christ on the cross. It is God himself, Christ's master, who put him to trial and the cross. Okay? These other people were just in the hands of God to do what God was preaching. So in other words, in Joseph being put in prison, he was being condemned because of Miss Potiphar. Condemned for the sin that he did not commit. What sin did Joseph commit? Nothing. Joseph was innocent. He was righteous. And yet he went to prison. How is that fair? How is that possible? That the man who did not sleep with this man's wife finds himself in prison. He's condemned in prison. Because God was the one preaching. Joseph did not go into prison because of Mr. Potiphar. It is God who put Joseph in prison. (laughs) Because God had intention to glorify Joseph out of the prison. Yeah. 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 We are moving. Let's keep moving. Yes. Joseph went to prison. Yes. But Miss Potiphar, the queen slayer, she remained at home. A free woman. Yes. And she continued to hang out with her friends. Uh-huh. Invite her friends for tea. <laughs> okay. She is checking her messages on Facebook. <laughs> Say, girl, come and see the new dress that I bought. Yes. Christ Jesus went to the cross. Mm-hmm. But Barabbas, the thief, yes, the, the murderer, yes. went home yes. and started brying steak and chicken wings yes. with his friends. Yes. Why? Because he had the garments of Joseph, yes. the garments of Christ. Yes. Miss Potiphar, Barabbas are the same people. What had happened? Remember at the beginning of the message in the morning, I talked about imputation. I said we must understand that word, imputation. It means, again, to charge to someone's account something that they did not do. So to Christ was charged our sin that he did not do. And in the reverse, the righteousness of Christ was charged to us for something that we did not do. So Miss Potiphar is free. She is a free girl. And yet she is the one who is supposed to be in prison. What happened? Why? Because her sin had been imputed to Joseph, the innocent one. Joseph is in prison because he is carrying the sin of another. That's imputation. 
Joseph is the surety. And he is the substitute. He must go. When you go to prison, what are you going to do? What, does, what do the judges say? You are going to pay for your crime. Right? So Joseph goes into prison to pay for whose crime? His crime or Miss Potiphar's? He is paying for Miss Potiphar's. That's why Miss Potiphar is out having fun. <laughs> but someone is paying. <laughs> Joseph is in prison. Does that make Miss Potiphar a righteous woman? In herself, no. But she is righteous. Because she's not condemned. <laughs> That's the gospel, my dear friends. Thank you, Pastor. Miss Potiphar's sin was imputed to Joseph. And Joseph became guilty of something that he did not do. But the actual sinfulness remained with Miss Potiphar. She remained a sin. Joseph goes to prison to make payment of the sin debt of something that he did not do. The sins of Barabbas, every one of them, were put on Christ, the righteous one. Barabbas goes home, but the Christ is put in prison. He is crucified. So what was imputed again to Christ was the sin debt, not the sinfulness of his people. Otherwise, then he will be disqualified to make the payment. Christ cannot be like Barabbas. Joseph cannot be like Miss Potiphar. Okay? That's what God is preaching. This is all leading to the story of Christ. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him, this one verse that you should always know, For he made him, that's God, made Christ. Who knew no sin to be seen for us, for us in the place of us, and for our benefit, for us. He's doing this for us. So he is tending for us, and he makes payment for us, and we benefit from that payment. Whatever we owe is paid by him who stood for us. So he made him to who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we in turn might become the righteousness of God in him. So our righteousness before God is in him. It's not in us. It's in him. It's in Christ. So Miss Potiphar, a sinner, made righteous, he escapes the wrath of her husband. Okay? She even has like Cleans the house, put new bed sheets and everything, make some chicken wings for her husband. She knows she's guilty, but she knows she's out of trouble. (laughs) The church made righteous, vindicated by the government of another, the Lord Jesus. Hear this again, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. In this prison where Joseph was, it was a place not just for regular prisoners. It was a very special place 
where the king's prisoners were confined, which means prisoners who belonged to Pharaoh. That is a very important statement that you need to understand. Because it's an excellent gospel statement. So Joseph was not put in any kind of prison. But the one where the king's prisoners were confined. What is that saying? It is saying the elect are they who were the king's prisoners. They were God's prisoners. And they were confined and they need to be set free. Before Joseph comes, we were in prison. Before Christ comes, we were in prison. In prison by God. God is the one who put us in prison. Until Christ came. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to set free those who were under the law, who were in prison to the law. The king's prisons. We are in the same prison with Christ. And from that prison, Christ must set us free. Because we are not just prisoners. We are the king's prisoners. We are God's prisoners. Christ must come to the earth where we were confined to God's judgment to set the captives free. We could not just die, go to heaven. God wants us here until his Joseph goes to prison. Until his Joseph comes and goes to prison. He must enter. Christ must unite himself to the judgment of his people. To what his people are dealing with. His people are dealing with sin and its consequences. Death and judgment. And for these to be removed, he must come and go into prison with them where they are. And where they are is right here on earth. Jesus could not save us just sitting in heaven. He must go where we are. So he must come. Okay? Let's see if our thinking is correct. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord was again with Joseph. Every testimony of Joseph always goes and God was with him. Because God was always with Christ. He never left Joseph. But if he did not leave Joseph, why did Joseph go to prison? Joseph, God is with Joseph. And yet Joseph goes in trouble. And people say, if you're in Christ, you should not have difficult things of life. But Joseph, the man of God, the man whom God loved, the man whom God prospered, he went to jail. How does one that God loves go to jail? How do they lose a child? How do they get sickness? 
How did they become homeless? Because we have to understand the sovereignty of God in life. We have to change the way that we think about God. People are being lied to. That if you come to Christ, all your life's problems will disappear. That's false. Life will continue to be life. You still have bills to pay. Things are going to get expensive. But the most expensive thing has already been paid for. (laughs) It's salvation. Why does Joseph go to prison? Joseph must go to prison if he should be exalted to be the second person only to Pharaoh. Joseph must be humiliated by God as Job was humiliated by God. God is the one who caused the suffering of Job. He was humiliating him not to destroy Job, but to glorify him. Because at the end of the book of Job, Job had more than double of everything that he had before. He had more glory at the end than at the beginning. So Job was a type of Christ. He must go through suffering that he may serve his friends whom God wants to kill because they've said things that are not correct. God says to Job, Job, you and your friends, your friends are in trouble. I'm going to kill them because they have said that which is not right about me as my servant Job has done. So the servant, that is Job, is Christ Jesus who has gone humiliation. Job was here. He was the richest man in the world. Right? He was a righteous man. He was a man who feared God. So how does a man who is righteous, a man who fears God, lose all his children, lose everything that he has? Because it is Christ, the righteous man who is rich in glory, who has lost his children to sin, and then he must recover them at the end of the book. All the children of Job were seven, were there not seven or ten, seven boys or three girls, you can check for me. All of them were recovered after Job had made a sacrifice. Right? The number of children that Job had did not increase because the number of the chosen never increases. It remains the same because their names were written from before the foundation of the world. And God does not have an eraser. He does not change his mind. And said, I chose 10. I think I'm going to reduce the number to 7. He does not do that. I'm going to add 7 more. Because I saw some beautiful people today. He doesn't do that. The children of Job remain the same. But his glory increased. Job was the type of Christ. You see? It's about Christ everywhere. So Joseph must go into humiliation, into suffering, before glory. Job must go into humiliation before glory. 
This is Christ. We must go into humiliation before glory. How does God put us in humiliation? Through sin. Sin is what humiliates us. So that God may glorify us in Christ. That's why I said, when you understand the gospel, sin is a very wonderful thing. Because through sin, God glorifies us. Glory to God. That's Philippians 2. <laughs> That's Philippians 2. Yes. I referred to Philippians 2 yesterday. We're going to go back to it again. Let's go to Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5. Jesus, thank you. Paul says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Yes. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who, being in the form of God, yes. did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. Let's park there. God is the highest being there is. There's no one higher and there's no one closer. He is God all by himself. And after God, there are angels. And after angels, there's men. And God in Christ comes down below the angels. That's the humility of Christ. That even though he was God, he could show his glory, he hid it in human flesh. And when he was talking to people and telling them that I'm the son of God, they did not get it. They're like, oh, we know you. You are the son of Joseph and Mary. (laughs) No, Jesus was not the son of Joseph and Mary. Yes, he was the son of Joseph and Mary, but he was not the son of Joseph and Mary. He came through Joseph and Mary. Jesus was God who came through Joseph and Mary. Okay? Jesus never referred to Joseph and Mary much at all, especially Joseph. He always talked about his father in heaven. I came to do the will of my father. Yes. Not the will of Joseph. No. Okay? No, not at all. Not the will of the carpenter. So this was the humility of Christ. We call that the humility of Christ. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Christ humbled himself. But you see, if I was a multi-billion dollar person, man, you could not talk to me. If I had money like that, I could not talk to you. (laughs) But Jesus, being God, creating everything, sustaining everything by the power of his word, he became a man. He humbled himself, became obedient 
to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What does Paul mean by the death of the cross? The death of the cross is not an ordinary death. It was a very humiliating death. Because everyone who was hung on a cross was said to have been accused of God. For the Romans, who were the masters of crucifixion, you were crucified by the Romans if you were not a Roman citizen. If you were considered a very useless person at the very bottom of the society. It's only people who were at the very bottom of the society, who nobody cared for. Those were the ones who were crucified. And Jesus, being God, came and was crucified. Okay? That's what that is saying. That's the mind of Christ. Therefore, you see, the humiliation that has happened, he is God. He goes into the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. He has human flesh. He humbles himself. He is eating locusts, even with John the Baptist. He is in Palestine. He is walking on earth, even without shoes. This is the God of creation. That's the humility of Christ. So he comes from glory, and he comes down. But it does not end there. Therefore God, verse 9, has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. What is the name that is above every name? It is the name of God. So Jesus is the name of God. He is the I am. The name which is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, that tells you that Jesus is God. Because anything that bows in heaven only bows to God. So if anything is bowing to Jesus, it means Jesus is God. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those underneath the earth, even those in hell will bow the knee to Jesus. And every time confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every time shall confess. To confess means to say the same things as someone else. The Greek word has two words. Yeah? It's homo. You know homosexual. It means someone who has relations with a man or woman of the same sex. And the other part of the word is logeo, which is logos. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So the word is logos. So homo logeo. That is confession. So to confess Jesus means to say the same things about Jesus as God says about him. Hallelujah. That's why teaching is important so that you don't say foolishness about Jesus. Yes. 
So Joseph is experiencing the story of Christ. And this is not about Miss Potiphar at all. This is not about how you and I should run away from sin because we'll be running away into the ocean. <laughs> we, should, we will forever be running away and never come to a rest. I'm like, Brother David, what, what are you running from? I'm running from sin. Running from sin. I'm like, rest, brother. You need to rest. You need to hear about my Jesus. You need to sit down. A magnet, a magnet cannot run away from steel. Yes. A magnet cannot run away from steel. That actually, there's a magnet there. I, I didn't realize there's actually a magnet. A magnet cannot run away from steel. You and I cannot run away from sin. We are not Miss Potiphar. Christ, we are Miss Potiphar, sorry. I meant to say we are not Joseph. It's only Christ who ran away from sin. Tempted in every way like us and yet without sin. That's Hebrews teaching. Okay? If we should be tempted in every way, the Mrs. Potiphar in us will be revealed. <laughs> yeah? So you have understood Miss Potiphar. You have understood who Joseph is. You have understood Mr. Potiphar. Mr. Potiphar is the type of God. Miss Potiphar is the type of the church. And Joseph is the type of Christ. Verse 22. We have one more verse to do. And we'll be done. Unless if you want another one. I have five more tonight. <laughs> Verse 32. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. So there was the keeper of the prison committed, who committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. All the prisoners were given to one person. Yes. They were given to Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph must take care of all the prisoners. In other words, Joseph was made the head, the captain of all the prisoners. As Christ was made yes. the head uh -huh. and the captain of the church. And he says their needs their needs were committed to Joseph's care. All their needs, whatever they needed. If you needed some clothing, if you needed some food, you went and talked to Joseph. All committed to the one man. Joseph is the surety for the prisoners. All our needs of salvation committed to the one man, Christ Jesus. John 17, verse 1 and 2. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, 
and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give a lot of money to as many as you have given him. It doesn't say that. That he should give what? Eternal life to as many as you have given him. That's Jesus' business. That's Jesus' authority. Eternal life is given. You cannot earn it. It's given. God has given eternal life to us in Christ. And this is what Jesus said again. Let's go to John 10, beginning at verse 27. John 10, 27 to 28. Jesus said, Jesus spoke these words. Sorry. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And what do I do for my sheep? Verse 28, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone, anyone snatch them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. They cannot be lost. The sheep cannot be lost. Not one of them can be lost. The sheep have eternal life. It was given them. By Christ. So, who was the keeper of the prison? Because the text says, Joseph was given authority to take care of all the needs of the prisoners, the king's prisoners. So, who is the the keeper of the prison? Who gives authority to Joseph? It is God himself. Because Christ was committed by God to be the captain of all God's prisoners. Pay attention to this. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Whatever the prisoners did, it was not their doing. It was his doing. Whatever the prisoners did, it was not their work. It was the work of Joseph. Whatever the church does, whatever righteousness they have, it is not their work. It is the work of Christ. (laughs) It was his doing. Whatever the prisoners do, it is Christ's doing. Even if this prisoner comes and preaches Christ, it is his doing. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ was made God's wisdom. He became God's wisdom to us. He made him to be God's wisdom to us. 
Christ was made by God to be our wisdom. Because we're foolish. So God has given us the wisdom of Christ. So that Christ can do everything that God requires for us. And this Christ has become the righteousness. He has become the holiness. That is the sanctification. Or people will say, oh, you can sanctify yourself if you stop watching a movie. If you stop eating this food, that's going to make you holy before God. It cannot happen that way. Christ Jesus has been made to us and for us, God's wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, which is holiness and redemption. So that none may boast. Yeah? That's 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31. It is Christ doing. God sees the elect in the doing of their captain, in the doing of their substitute, in the doing of their representative. So whatever Christ is, so we are in this world. Whatever Christ is, so we are. That's how God sees us. That is what the scriptures declare to us. Verse 23, and that's our last verse. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority to see if it would be done or to remind him to do it and say, oh, Joseph, you forgot to feed the prisoners. Or Joseph, you forgot to get clothes for the prisoners. He was a faithful servant. He trusted that it would be done and it would be done well. And God was with Joseph as he was and is with our Lord Jesus. And whatever Christ did, God did not worry that it would fail. God never worried that our salvation would fail. The king's prisoner, sorry, the the prison chief who gave Joseph charge of the prisons was not worried about Joseph not taking care of the prisoners. God was not worried about Christ taking care of us in our salvation because he knew who Christ was, that he was a faithful man, he was a righteous man, and he came and he completed the work that the Father gave him to do. He did not fail in his mission. He prospered us into salvation. And the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 1, I think it's verse 4, says, after he, Christ, had made an end to the purification of sin, he sat down. Christ is a priest who is seated down because he took care of all the needs of his prisoners. Yeah? And in Hebrews 10, 14, the writer says, By one offering, 
One. By one offering. He, that is Christ, has perfected for a few weeks. No. For a few years. No. Forever. Those who are the sanctified. So what have you learned? I saw a post. Someone's trying to argue with you, but you did not respond to him. You said justification happened at the cross, and he came and said, what about sanctification? It happened at the cross too. Because we are sanctified in the sanctified one. The holiness of Christ is our holiness. We have been perfected forever in Christ. Yeah? So my brothers and sisters, this is how God saves a sinner. The sin imputed to Christ. To one who is sinless. To Joseph in the story of Miss Potiphar. And Joseph must go into the dungeon. Into the prison. To make payment for the freedom of this woman. This woman cannot just be free. Someone has to pay. As Barabbas could not just be free. Christ had to pay. And when he comes out of prison. That is Joseph. He will be glorified to be the second only to Pharaoh. Right? And when Christ went into prison and judgment and went on the cross, after the resurrection, he was seated on the right hand of majesty on high. Yeah? Christ Jesus, the Passover lamb. Yeah? The Passover lamb must be glorified. If you go to the book of Revelation, when Christ is being honored, he's being worshipped, they talk about the lamb that was slain, the lamb that overcame, he was slain. They are talking about the cross. Because that's what God wants you to exalt, to honor, to talk about. Okay? So what do I want you to learn from everything that I've said this far from this teaching? I need you to learn the one thing that is needful. Learn from Miss Potiphar. She held on tightly to the one gospel to the one garment of Joseph, to the one righteousness that was coming by the cross of Jesus. And she was set free from death. Because if her husband had known, she would have been divorced at the very best. Or she may have been killed. And so we are Miss Potiphar, and we are Barabbas. And we were set free by those who represented us. And that is God's truth. We are not Joseph because we are not Christ. Joseph was Christ. We did not go to prison. We did not go to the cross for anyone. So what is God saying to you and me? What is God saying to you and me is verse 16 of Genesis 39. 
what God is saying to you and me. My brothers and sisters, this is what God is saying to you and me. Miss Potiphar, she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Jesus came and said, will the son of man find faith when he returns? He is saying, will he find you still holding to the gospel of the cross? Holding the garment of the one man, Joseph, of the one man, Jesus. Yeah. He is saying, abide, remain in the truth of the gospel until he comes. In the sufficiency of that garment of Christ. In your possession. By faith. We have that garment that Christ left us. By faith. We are wearing it by faith. Because one day your master will come. And you do not want him to come and say. My friend. I see that you have on a strange garment. I do not know that piece of clothing. I've never seen it. Get out of from get away from here. You know the story. We cannot bring strange garments to Jesus. He will not accept them. And in other simple terms, what I'm saying is take the gospel seriously. Take the gospel seriously. You're not coming here. Just to spend the day on Saturday, on Sunday. Come to hear about the man who willingly left his garment in your possession. To make your story credible before God. For God to accept your foolishness. He left you his garment. He left you his righteousness. By his grace. If he wanted to take it, he would have taken it. But he did not. That's God's grace. Amen. Amen. We are done. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Wow, wow. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for these many words. The righteousness of Christ taught to us in the story of Miss Potiphar and Joseph and Mr. Potiphar. And how this woman representing us and the testimony of the church in a sin was set free from prison because of the garments of another, the garments of the man whom God loved, the garments of Joseph. The Joseph who went to prison to make payment for her, but for his glory, because Joseph would later be glorified. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, for showing us this testimony of you in Joseph, our testimony in Miss Potiphar. But we thank you for the garments. We thank you for that piece of evidence that you have left in our possession. And this is what we are preaching. This is what we are declaring to your people to remind them of what this gospel is all about. We honor you, glorify you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.